Greetings, this is Pastor Thomas A. Deloach, and this episode is brought to you by To Empower You, a podcast dedicated to helping young adults and young couples achieve their goals and dreams from a biblical context. From a biblical context. Pastor Thomas A. Deloach. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to To Empower You. I am your host, Thomas A. Deloach, and I'm so glad that you've decided to connect with me once again for these few moments in time. And on today's episode, I want to talk about Fight to Stay Pure. This is a teaching podcast, so as always, go and grab your Bibles and take some copious notes. I got a very good informative show for you today. As always, we want to start off with a quote of the day. And it starts like this. I would rather do the work and get paid for it than have the title with all the problems. Now, let's look here in Judges chapter 13, verse number five, a familiar passage of scripture to me, maybe not to you, or it may be a familiar passage of scripture to you. But we're going to look here nonetheless. And this is going to be my launching pad for today. I'm really excited to share this with you today. Notice what it says in Judges 13, verse number five. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. This is really a powerful scripture to me, has a lot of things here. I highly doubt. I don't know for sure. I know when I was born, at least I asked my mother, she didn't get an angelic visitation like Mary did, or even in this scenario where an angel of the Lord came to her and said, hey, your son's name is going to be Thomas. He's going to do great things. And I don't want you to cut his hair or other things like that. Most people in general don't have those kind of angelic visitations. But in this particular passage of scripture, if you would just read it in its entirety in Judges chapter 13, you'll note that the angel of the Lord came uh, to Samson's parents. And we understand and we see some things that happen. I'm not going to go into the backdrop of everything in this passage. I want you to do a little homework and really do it yourself and you'll be able to see some things unfold and really get the gist of how powerful this is. It relates to fighting to stay pure. But nonetheless, when we come into the world, we come in, uh, we don't get an opportunity to choose our mom, our dad, where we're going to live, where we're going to stay, who's going to be our extended family. All of those things really are there when we come into the world. And so, through growing up with mom and dad or just mom or just dad or grandparents because things happen along the way that is not of our making. But still in all, God has a purpose for our life. But here we understand in Judges chapter 13 and 5, we see here some specific things concerning Samson, that there shall be no razor that shall come upon his head, that he's going to be a Nazarite from the womb. And here's something really powerful. He's going to begin to deliver Israel 
out of the hands of the Philistines. Like I said, generally, uh, no angel came to our parents to tell us these most profound things. I think this is like, wow, like this young man is going to come into the world and he doesn't really have to figure out his purpose because his purpose has always already been revealed to his mother and father. He doesn't really have to wonder uh, how things necessarily are going to turn out because these things have already been somewhat prophesied to what he's going to do. But his responsibility is he's got to fight to stay pure. And that's the thing that I think is so profound today because we don't really hear much of this teaching our children how to fight to stay pure. And you do have to fight to stay pure. One of the reasons why is because the enemy starts fighting us when we are young, when we are small, when we are children, the enemy starts working at us, trying to get us, trying to scheme. One of the things about Satan, he's a liar. Another thing about him that his operation is a covert operation. He operates in the dark. He operates behind the closed doors, behind the curtain. He's very slithery. He's he's very uh, cunning. He doesn't want you to know that he's after you. By the time you figure it out, he has you in his clutches. And so because the enemy comes to kill, he comes to steal, he comes to destroy, most people don't know who they are, especially when you're a child, when you're young. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was destined to be. I didn't know what God had called me to do from my mother's womb. Like I said for the third time, no angelic visitation was surrounding my birth, no trumpets, no flowers, no anything. I'm just here on the planet trying to figure out as I began to grow up and then somehow, some way through giving my life to the Lord and being around other people who were Christians, I discovered my purpose. And generally that's how it goes. You discover it. But in the end time or in the meantime, we're just growing. But at that time in our lives, when we were children, the enemy's working, trying to get us, trying to destroy using people, using relationships, using anything that he can to discourage and take us out of here before we find out what we are really called to be. And because most people suffer from identity crisis, because maybe a mother and father was not a Christian, they grew up in all kinds of adverse situations. And you're just trying to figure out a lot of things. It's amazing. It's amazing how we even come to know the Lord in all of the stuff that's going on in the world. If you are saved today, I want you to take a moment and really thank God that he had you on his radar and through your growing and through your transition in life and through trials and tribulations, somewhere God had this thing circled that one day somebody was going to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to you and you were going to accept him. And at that point, everything about your life was going to take on shape. Everything about your life was going to take on momentum because now I'm born again. 
and I have now just a little small understanding of what things are. So I begin to grow in my identity. I begin to grow in my character of things are beginning to develop. But when you have no purpose, no hope, no identity, no character, you succumb to the pressure. And when you know who you are, when you know your identity, watch this now, your purpose can be established. I'm going to say that to you again. When you know who you are, your purpose, the purpose for which you are called to do whatever God has assigned to your hand can be established. It's always identity and then purpose. God wants you to know who you are and who you belong to, and then he will assign you whatever it is he has given you to do on the planet. But in this situation, we know that Samson was a Nazarite. And so he had to take a Nazarite vow because his strength came from the vow that he made to the Lord. And this is the thing that I think is profound because when we look at certain Christians and certain people and we see them doing phenomenal things and we see them doing things that causes us to be like, wow, man, you really know your assignment in God. I see you flowing in it. I see you operating in it. Where does your strength come from? Now, I am not a Nazarite, but I can tell you this. My strength comes from the vow I made to the Lord. Whatever that is, see, whatever you're willing to give up for the power of God, for the grace of God, whatever you're willing to consecrate, whatever you are willing to give over to God, because sometimes I don't think we really believe that we're supposed to give up anything, but you cannot be great in God's kingdom unless you give up something. And so when you give up whatever it is you're willing to give up, God is going to cause you to become great. And in the life of Samson, because he took this Nazarite vow, because the scripture doesn't say that he had bulging biceps and triceps and didn't say that he could lift 500 pounds 300 times, didn't say that he was out running around in the field or wherever he was, none of that stuff. His strength was not necessarily coming from his exercise regimen. His strength, here it is again, was coming from his vow to the Lord, his consecration to God. That is his secret sauce. And I want to tell you, that's going to be your secret sauce. When it is when we're talking about fighting to stay pure, because I'm going to give you three things to help you. Your secret sauce is going to be the vows you make to God. So don't make a vow to God that you're just not going to do. You know, people try to make these vows to God and they're real big and they're real lofty. And I always tell young believers in the Lord or even older believers in the Lord, but their practicing habits are not very good. I tell them to start out small. I tell them to start out what you really are willing to do, not the things that you have not attained to. So don't tell God that you're going to fast for seven days a week or tell God you're going to pray 24 hours a day. We're not trying to impress God. Remember, our secret sauce is in the vow we are willing to make to God. And when he hears what we are willing to do 
for the purposes of God so that we can bring God glory. He will work with us where we are. And when we show ourselves faithful over small things or, or a few things, he will then make us ruler over many. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I want to give you three things that Samson had to do to fight to stay pure. And when we read the end of the story, we see that he was not able to keep his vow to the Lord. But at the end of his life, God gave him one swan song and he was able to defeat a lot of the enemies of God and really put them in a greater place. But when we see Bible characters in the Bible, we can learn from what they didn't do and we don't have to do the things they did. And that will structure us and help us to see some things. But I think it's important that we talk about this because there are a lot of people who are having a lot of trouble to fight to stay pure. And I want to tell you, you got to fight to do it. There are temptations all around because the enemy never shows you anything you don't like. Anytime I was ever tempted to do anything wrong, the enemy always showed me something I wanted, showed me something I loved, showed me something I thought I couldn't live without. But you know, at the end of the day, he always has an agenda. So look at these three things. Here's number one. This is what Samson had to do. And I also want you to remember, I'm going to take something here out of God's word, and I'm going to show you how you can use this as something that you can do to fight to stay pure. Number one, he had to separate himself from wine or similar drink, neither vinegar made from wine, neither shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. Now, remember, this was a part of his Nazarite vow. Now, we know that wine in the scripture, because people always saying, well, you know, Jesus turned water into wine and they try to use all of these reasons why they can drink. I'm not here to tell you what you can and can't do, but I will say this to you, that we have to understand the purpose for a thing. We have to understand why we're doing a thing, because it seems to me today that without wine and liquor, people seem to not be able to have a good time. I remember in COVID that they were talking about businesses that needed to stay open and uh, businesses that they thought were appropriate during COVID. And to my chagrin, I learned that they said the ABC liquor store was one of those things that needed to stay open because people needed to drink. They needed their wine. They needed their liquor for mental health purposes. I was really like, wow, for real? I mean, just think about that. They were hassling churches. Churches can't stay open. And I mean, but but a liquor store can. Look how crazy our world is today that they would define what would be necessary and what is not. But in this scenario, we see that Samson had to separate himself from wine and similar drink and the things that I mentioned before. One of the things, and I just said it before, but I want to say it a different way. When we're talking about fighting to stay pure, you're going to have to separate yourself from some things. This notion that you can do as a Christian whatever you want to do and still follow Christ is not true. It's a lie. You cannot do it. You cannot continue to live the life that you want to live after you got saved and think that God is going to be okay with it. 
He still loves us. This is not about whether or not God loves us. He loves you. He loves me. But we have to separate ourselves from the things that will bring us down. And so this is the hardest part about becoming a Christian, I would say, because when you talk about becoming a new believer, most people don't want to get saved because of the things that they got to give up. They know they got to give up this. They got to give up smoking. They got to give up alcohol. They got to give up sex. They got to give up uh, gambling. They, they got to give up lying. They got to give up all of these things. And they're like, why do it? I'm not about to give up all of these things. But this is what I tell people. I say it's the Holy Spirit's job to cut you away from these things. This is not a work of the flesh or the work of the mind to try to use willpower to stop doing things that you know are no good for you. See, that's the job of the Holy Ghost. He is the one that will separate you. Now, you do need to have a desire, but again, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. When a person gives their life to God, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in that person. That's the power that helps them to say no to things they couldn't say no to. That's the power that can separate them from the things that was once bringing them down. So this notion about you can't do it, you're right, you can't do it. But the reason we give our life to Christ is because we know we were not really being good at being a sinner. <laughs> you really wasn't good at that. You were on your way to hell. You were on your way with no future, no hope, no destiny. I always tell people, if you had if you had continued to smoke crack and drugs and all of these things, you'd be dead by now. God did us a favor when he sent somebody down our path to share us the way of Christ and we gave our lives to the Lord. So we can't say, well, I'll come to Christ when I get ready. Well, when will that be? I'll give my life to the Lord when I'm ready to give up smoking cigarettes. Well, when will that be? May I say this to you? You will never be ready to give up on things you enjoy. That's just, it's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. So we have to separate ourselves from the things that will bring us down. See, it's a separation because light and dark can't mix. Oil and water can't mix. Sin and righteousness can't mix. But the reality is when the spirit of God, and I know I keep being redundant. I know you're smart and intelligent, but I want you to hear this again. When the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, he does the separating. He does the pulling apart. You'll wake up one morning and you just don't want to do it no more. You just don't want to lie no more. You don't want to cheat no more. You, you don't want to connive no more. You don't want to do the thing because that was your former nature. That was your former life. But God has given you a new life. He's given you. I, mean, I believe the scripture says that old things pass away and behold, all things become new. If any man be in Christ. He is a new creature, a new creation that never existed before. And this is the power of the new birth experience. But he had to separate himself from those things that were going to cause him trauma. Because if we don't separate, and in this case, if Samson didn't separate 
And obviously he did these things that I'm mentioning. It was draining and sapping him of his secret sauce. See, if we don't separate, it will drain. And, and, and in, at some point in our life, it will remove our power. It will remove the anointing off of our lives. God can't use us the way he did before. Things begin to change. And you can see a reference of this in Numbers chapter 6, verse 6, as it relates to separating himself from wine and other the, uh, these things that I'm mentioning. Number two, no razor shall be on his head. In other words, let the locks of your hair grow, Samson. As long as you live, don't put any razor to your head. We don't have time to talk about Samson and Delilah and how that happened. I'm not going to go into that. But he already knew from growing up that the power and the strength of who you are is not so much in the hair, but it's in the obedience. That's what I want to tell you today. Obedience is where your power is as well. Your obedience to God, doing what he tells you to do is something about obeying God that brings about strength and it causes you to carry things you couldn't carry. It causes you to be successful in things when otherwise you wouldn't be able to. It causes you to produce and excel at a level in your life where you know you would falter. You know you would fall. We look at obedience as something hard and difficult, but when you look at it through the eyes of God, it's sweet, it's wonderful, it's awesome, because I heard what God said, and I did it, and that doesn't mean people are going to like it. That don't mean that people are going to applaud or pat you on the back. That doesn't mean you're not going to have no enemies, because you will. Those that live right will suffer persecution. You're going to be persecuted because you obey God. Your family may not like you because you obey God. Your friends may walk away from you because you obey God. But can I tell you something? As long as you know that you're good with God, as long as you know he all right with you because you obeyed him, you can look in the mirror. You can sleep well at night, even in the midst of people laughing at you, mocking you, and that stuff will happen obedience is better than sacrifice. Many times we wouldn't have to sacrifice if we just learned how to obey God. But in this particular verse, it talks about no razor shall be on his head. Let his locks grow. In other words, when we don't obey God, things will cut off our strength. Things will cut off our power. Things will cut off our longevity. Things will cut off your influence. And as I said just a few moments ago, it will cut off your anointing. You can look at this again in Judges chapter 13, verses 5. And the day that Samson's hair got cut off, that's when things were not the same for him anymore. The day that he said and told Delilah his secret sauce, he, he told, he, he laid his head in the wrong lap. Remember now, the enemy's job, number one job is to steal, kill, and destroy. I think that's what it says in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh, but for not to kill, steal, and destroy. But notice what Jesus comes to do. He said, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want to tell you, I'm not asking you to cut your hair off. I'm not asking you to go bald. I just want to show you in this passage what he had to do 
Or should I say, I'm not asking you uh, to grow locks or braids. Uh, I'm not asking you to do that. Let your hair grow as long as you want. What the Lord is trying to show us today is that whatever covenant we have with God, we got to keep it. We got to keep that thing uh, holy. We got to keep that. That thing has got to mean something to you. That thing has got to, that thing got to be valuable to you, to you. Because if you don't, the enemy will cut you off. And that's what he wants to do. He want to cut you off at every turn. Keep your obedience right with God. And finally, number three, he shall not go near a dead body. Another way we can say this or make himself unclean. How do we not go near dead bodies? Is this what this means? Dead bodies? Uh, now we know that in that day, uh, I believe the scripture talks about that he pulled some honey out of a dead carcass and he ate it that day and the Lord saw it. And so a lot of things that Samson was doing because he was being tempted and he fell into the temptation. But when we look at this and bring some revelation to it, we're not necessarily talking about dead bodies or dead corpuses or things of that nature. When we talk about dead things, we're talking about folks who have no purpose. People who don't have any purpose, they are dead. They're like walking zombies. They're not doing what God has called them to do. They're not going where God has called them to go. They're just living life on their terms. They're dead. They don't have the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. They don't have the abiding word of God living on the inside of them. And this is why when you give your life to Christ, you're going to need a new set of friends. You're going to need some friends around you to encourage you, to build you up. To pray for you, because if you continue to hang around dead things, dead people with no purpose, no future, no hope, no destiny, no goals, people who have no desire to be anything, they will drag you right back to where God pulled you out of. These are dead things. And you got a lot of Christians. Here I go again. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. And I know I keep being redundant, but I want to say this again. That when the Holy Spirit puts his life inside of you, there has to be a separation. You're going to have to depart. You're going to have to go. You And I know it's painful. I know it. It's painful because you got to cut off some relationships. That doesn't mean that you can't love them, but we're not going in the same direction. We're not doing the same things. One day Jesus was teaching and preaching and his family came at the door and they said, somebody came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, your family is outside. Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my father? <laughs> Who's my sister? Who's my brother? Who is my family? Who are they? Sometimes we don't know who our family is. Jesus said, my family are those that are doing the will of God. Now, he knew who Mary was. He knew who the other people were outside. He was just trying to help the people to understand. You got to get another concept of family. Family is not always the people of your blood. Family are the people that are going in the same direction as God is leading y'all. That's who your family is. And in this situation, we got to fight to stay pure and stay away from dead things, dead people 
who just don't have anything going for them other than just deadness. Nobody wants to be around anybody who doesn't have any kind of excitement for the things of God. I talk to Christians all the time and I often say, man, I don't know that I'd want to be a Christian if I ran into you. You have no goals. You have no aspirations. I'm asking you what God has done for you in your life. You're talking about you can't pay your bills. Your body is hurting. What kind of testimony do we truly have if we are no better than the people that didn't accept Christ? If you have no more joy and hope than the person at your job who already told you they're a sinner, what do we have? We got to learn how to go back and do our first works over again. So the power of God, so we can have a crash course collision with God himself so that we can come alive. So when people are around us, they can say, man, why do you have this joy? We work at the same job, but you always happy. How do you have this peace? We making the same amount of money. Why is it that your, your, your family situation is so much better than ours? We have to show forth that the scripture says the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. We got to stay away from things that can help you to produce the greatness within you. Watch this now. I'm done. For what you connect to you will become. I'm going to say that to you one more time. Whatever you connect to, you will become. I don't care what it is, good or bad, whatever you connect to, you will become. I want you to start checking your connections because whatever you're connecting to is sending you power, is sending you influence, is sending you information, is sending you either good or bad behavior. We are not aware of our connections. I want you to fight to stay pure with these three things that I mentioned to you. I'm going to give it to you again and I'm done. He shall separate himself. You have to separate yourself. Number two, no razor shall be on his head. Again, we're not saying cut your hair off. We're saying to you that don't let anything cut your power, your longevity, your influence or your anointing. And then finally, don't go near dead things. Don't go near nothing dead that ain't producing no life and no power with God. For whatever you connect to again, you will become. Fight to stay pure. I know it's tough being out here, but notice what the Lord said. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can take that promise to the grave that even though you feel like, man, I'm the only one out here living right. That's not true. There's more than just you. And I pray that God even now will start sending people to you down your path who will love on you, who will pray for you. They'll be your new connectors. And when you connect with them, you're going to sense the reverberation of the power of God. Some freshness is going to start growing around you. I talk to Christians all the time and they seem to be so lonely. I know that sometimes this can be a lonely walk but it don't have to be. I'm praying right now that God will send you some new connections to help you to fight, to stay pure. Even though Samson knew these vows, the enemy didn't care nothing about it. He was going to work night and day to pull Samson out of the very thing from his mother's womb. 
the boy knew what he was going to be. From his mother's womb, he knew what his purpose was going to be. He didn't have to figure out nothing. We have to learn how to do what God say do. He already know what's going on. I want you to lean all of your cares on him because he cares for you. Fight to stay pure. I'm telling you, it's going to bless you real good. Well, that's all that I wanted to share with you today. I pray that this blessed you. If it did, shoot your boy an email at info at thomasadeloach.com. Share this episode with somebody else and make it a topic of conversation. Go back over it again. Here's some things that I shared with you. Share with a, a prayer partner, share with a coworker or somebody in your camp. And y'all talk about this thing. We're not hearing enough about it. Let's start a dialogue about this thing about fighting to stay pure because you do because evil is always present. Listen, go to my website too at thomasadeloach.com. Learn a little bit more about me if this is your first time listening to this show. I welcome you, greet you. I hope you will come back again. Subscribe to this podcast and it will drop into your email once a week. My only desire is to empower you. I want to help you grow. I want to walk alongside you and coach you and help you and get you to your purpose and in your destiny in Christ. That is my sincere prayer. Well, I'm praying for you once again, believing God's best for you. Go out and do something great because greatness is inside of you. And remember, until next time, to be empowered. Thank you for listening to my show, To Empower You. If you were blessed, inspired, and encouraged, please send me a praise report, prayer requests, or show ideas to info at thomasadeloach.com. And follow me on Instagram at thomasadeloach and Facebook at Dr. Thomas A. Deloach. And remember, you can go to my website anytime at www.thomasadeloach.com. Until next time, be empowered.